Marvel DC, Marvel DC, Marvel DC, 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 Marvel, 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 Marvel Image. We create our own realities and words. That's disgusting. Hello. That's disgusting. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Geek Chat. Welcome to the Geek Chat. Welcome to the Geek Chat. The Geek Chat. Hey, 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 everybody, and uh, welcome to uh, the Geek Chat, San Diego Comic-Con edition. Uh, this is uh, Desmond. Unfortunately, Rich is not with me right now, as he is back in San Francisco manning the store. So, But I am here uh, doing interviews, and my first interview of the day is with the very talented... Magdalene Visaggio. Hello, Howdy. How are you doing? I am very busy today. Um, doing good. I'm having a great show. Cool. So, where do you hail from? Um, well, I live in Manhattan. I'm a, mostly a Virginian, though. Um, I've been living in New York for the last seven years. Cool. And uh, so you have a new book out. Uh, tell us all about that book. So, it's called Kim and Kim. It's from Black Mass Studios, and it came out a couple of weeks ago. It's about two best friends, both named Kim, who are interdimensional bounty hunters. Oh, okay. So, so um, how did you come up with that idea? I, I kind of reverse engineered it from the title. It's not like I had like a big crazy idea I wanted to do. Um, I mostly just was like, I want to do a book about a couple of best friends. And I just sort of started thinking out what are different ways that I can approach that? What are different kinds of stories? And so I kind of landed on like sort of a buddy road thing. And then I was like, well, I really, sci-fi is kind of my wheelhouse. So I made them space bounty hunters. And then I'm like, I don't know. Let's just throw in some craziness and make them interdimensional. Sounds great to me. I mean, we reviewed it uh, a couple of weeks ago when it first came out, and we were Rich and I were both blown away by it. It was really, really good because it came out the same time as another book that was sort of like, you know, Bounty Hunters 2, and it was just like, wow, you know. But there was just something about this book that just kind of, like, spoke to us. And, and did, so did you name them? Did you, you already had the name Kim and Kim, right? Were these from friends of you, you know, or...? I was standing in line at Starbucks last year behind a couple of girls who were both named Kim who were talking. And I was like, Kim and Kim's a fun title. See, it's, these, these, these little kernels and nuggets of ideas just pop out of nowhere for us creative types. So um, how did you get your start? Um, I started making comics. Yes. Um, I've been making comics since I was a kid. I started when I was eight. Um, and I first started reading like X-Men. And I was like, I want to do that. And I've kind of always been doing that in one form or another ever since. I've been doing it like seriously on a, like a, something approaching a professional level for a couple of years now, which is mostly just a matter of I decided to make it a priority, and I started self-pubbing. That's, that's kind of what you have to do. I mean, I wish you guys could see us right now. You know, she is just slaving away, signing all these copies. It's like, she is such a professional. I love it. Just the multitasking is amazing. Um, so what are some other books that you have done in the past that maybe people should check out uh, you know, to, to learn more about you? Um, okay. I would probably only recommend Andrew Jackson in Space, which is a book I did last year. Um, there's only just one issue of it at this point. And we're working on another one right now. Um, Andrew Jackson in Space is a self-published book that's on comiXology, which I did with Jason Smith. And it's about, you know, the historical Andrew Jackson waking up one day 100,000 light years 
from home, and he has no idea how he got there, and he's trying to get home. Okay, okay. And so he was cryogenically frozen, or? No, it's, it's the year 1803. Oh, he's wow. Space. He doesn't know how he got there. <laughs> That's such an interesting concept. So it's like, it's like a whole different planet and everything? Yeah, he's in space. Wow, okay. Well, good luck, Andrew Jackson. Uh, <laughs> so what other books do you have uh, in the pipeline? Um, the the, my, the thing that's probably the closest to happening right now is a book called Quantum Teens Are Go. It's with Eric Donovan, who did Mimetic and Cognetic with James Tynan at Boom last year and the year before. Um, and Quantum Teens Are Go is about a couple, is like um, a boyfriend and girlfriend, high school age, who break into foreclosed super labs to steal things so they can make a time machine. Oh, okay. Um, so... Where did that come from? That's such That's a, such a really complicated. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the show called The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yes. Okay. I was started off. I wanted to do something in a similar kind of vein, where I wanted to really do sort of the sort of surreal suburbia. And I sort of was like, okay, well, what's my angle on this one? I started thinking, okay, what if you had like like kids who are building a spaceship, like legit working spaceship? And that was the like original thrust of the idea for my initial conversations when I was like. Um, first started and I kind of sat on that for like a year and I started trying to develop um, a romance pitch for Rosie Press um, but as I worked on it more it was looking more and more like a science fiction adventure story with that had a romance in it and not a romance so I just kind of ran with that um, and developed it into its, uh, its current form Wow. Um, and when can we uh, expect that? Or is it still in, in development? Or That's not in development anymore. Um, we are in the process of uh, nailing down a publisher for it. So there is no schedule for that one, but hopefully next year. Um, and this is uh, will be a, a four-issue miniseries, or will it be a graphic novel? This will be another four-issue mini. So do you do you like the four-issue mini format? or or um, Because I know people are like, you know, do graphic novels, do graphic novels. Is there something about... Um, Floppies, I guess, is the industry term for them. Is there something about that that really attracts you? Well, floppies are really where the market is, you know, what the market's interested in. Um, sort of random graphic novels don't move. So the thing I like about the 96-page four-issue series, right, is that you limitations are what creativity thrives on. If you can, like, imagine if you had, like, an infinite number of keys on a piano, you wouldn't really know where to start, and there'd be no point to starting, because you could, it'd be too much. Um, when you only have a limited amount of space, you have these constraints that force you into new directions. Um, the cool thing about the four-issue mini is it's a tight, manageable format for a really clear, direct story. It's kind of hard to get off track when you don't have any extra issues. There's no filler. There's no craziness to it. It's just sort of... You, this is the amount of space you have, and that's all you're going to get to tell your story. Yeah. And so, so with like Kim and Kim, uh, so this will be this will have a beginning, a middle, and an end, correct? Yep, beginning, middle, and an end. It's a complete story. Okay. That's great. Uh, but did you leave it open so just in case if you wanted to revisit them or? Well, yeah, totally. Um, I absolutely want to do like another volume with Kim and Kim. Um, I love these characters. They are my babies. And I want to do comics with them for many years to come.
It sounds like like to have that much discipline to just be like, okay, I'm just going to tell this exact story with this amount of time, this amount of pages, you know, and just just be to be disciplined. You know, was that something that you that you learned or you're to train or? Yeah, it's something you have to teach yourself. Um, you have to get more focused on the efficiency of your story and making sure that what you're doing is effective than on just being like, oh, I have a really cool idea for a superhero. Because if that's all you've got, well, then you don't have a story, you just have, like, a character. You know, so finding, like, a plot that you can do something with that communicates something about the character and that that character serves, um, you just get better work. Cool. Well, that this all sounds amazing. And um, so you said this this um, new book is going to be from Boom. We're, no, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, I, I apologize. About Boom. I apologize. One of the people who I worked for Boom. Boom. Sorry, sorry. No, I don't have anything at Boom. Okay, okay. I, you, you were working with someone who was who who had did something with Boom. Is yeah, that? Yeah, Eric Donovan um, is the artist on the book, okay. um, and he did Mimetic and Cognetic at Boom with okay. James Tynan. Okay. So right now you're still looking for a publisher for that. We're talking to people, so we're going to see what happens. Okay. Well, well, definitely. You know, good luck with it. And with Andrew Jackson and Space, where could people find that at? Comixology, only place. Okay. And that's uh, online only, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, Kim and Kim, uh, the first issue is out now, so you can go definitely pick that up. And uh, we have three more issues to go of this fantastic series. Is there anything that you would like, you know, your fans to know about you or, or any parting words? Because I know you have a really busy schedule, and I don't want to keep you anymore. Oh, God. Okay, well, that's a lot of pressure. Parting words. Um be excellent to each other and party on dudes. Exactly. So, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for uh, having me. And, and I definitely, me, Rich, and the rest of the gang at Comic, uh, the Geek Chat, definitely look forward to, to more issues of Kim and Kim. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. It's Desmond, and I'm back here live. Well, not live. Pre-recorded. Remember X uh, at Comic Con 2016 here in San Diego. Warm, muggy San Diego. And I'm standing here with the creators of Rickety Stitch and the Gelatinous Goo. How's it going? I'm Ben Costa. I'm James Parks. Awesome. So, guys, tell me about Rickety Stitch and his friend, the Gelatinous Goo. Well, it's a fantasy story adventure uh, about a skeleton bard. And he's on a journey to discover his origins. And who came up with the story? Well, we both did. About 15 years ago, um, Ben and I hung out. We're huge fans of D&D and fantasy stories, Lord of the Rings, and basically came up with this idea about putting Rickety Stitch, a bard, into the role of a hero. And why is he a skeleton? Well, um, he was resurrected. That, that's how the, the comic opens. He's, he's awaking for the first time. It's... And he's, he's dreaming about this experience. Um, and so he doesn't know exactly why that happened, and that's what he's trying to find out. And what makes it great, um, we chose to make him a skeleton and because it's the best way to show that everything from his past has been lost and gone. And so he's looking out to, to learn who he used to be because that's all erased. He's just bones. It's a bit of necromancy. I see, I see. Um, so if you've came up with this so... Many years ago, you guys have been friends for quite a while. Is that correct? Yes, uh, yeah. we met we met each other in second grade, and have been 
friends ever since. Yeah. Well, hot damn. Second grade. Wow, that's a long time. Uh, so why would you guys stay in touch? Well, we, we get along well. <laughs> what, what can you say? And we, I mean, we went to the same school, like through middle school. We were roommates in college. Wow, this is like Laverne and Shirley stuff going on right here. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, okay, so I know you were, you were telling me about Rikini such a while ago. Um, and the book is complete. It's out, right? Uh, it's not out yet. Yeah, it actually um, comes out in May of 2017, and it's being published by Random House, the first of three volumes. That is amazing. So, I mean, it's so cool that you're able to, you know, get this taken care of and get it brought at uh, Random House. I mean, how did that come about? Well, Jason Shiga is a friend of Ben's, and um, we, we were shopping around for potentially getting some agency and getting a literary agent to, to show the work. And uh, Jason really liked it, so he introduced us to his agent, Dan Lazar, at Writer's House. And, you know, we hit it off, and he represented us, and a few weeks later, Random House was interested. And did you have any pushback because it was a comic book, or was it was something that actually added to it? But did, did, because I know it's like, it's like it's a literary publisher, you know, for, for the most part. But so how was that for you guys? Like, oh, my God, it's being picked up by, by a literary house. So that... That's actually one of the coolest parts of it. Um, Random House is actively looking for, for graphic novels and to get into the space. And Ben and I have both, you know, for a long time, wanted to approach other publishers rather than just the comic book publishers because we saw that that market was beginning to grow. As you see, you know, Bone with Scholastic or Amulet, um, we felt that Rickety Stitch fit that demographic much better than the, the larger comic book industry. So you said that you had you know came up with this a long time ago, qu quite a few years ago. When did you actually start working on actually putting like nose to the grindstone and getting an actual book done? So um, we've done some short stories in a comic strip over the years, um, and then I think in two thousand seven we had a full script, and I think I drew about five pages, and we submitted it. Um, to a place, but it got rejected, and then I was working on other stuff, and it's always been on the back burner, and we've always been, like, revisiting the script, um, and so when I was done with volume two of Pong the Wandering Shaolin Monk, we just saw it as a good opportunity to, you know, actually execute it. Yeah, it was about two years ago that we sat down and decided, you know what, Rickety Stitch has been on our plate for a long time, and we want to do it, so we just decided to do it. Sounds good to me. Um, so uh, you mentioned your other project that you're working on. It, so that's taking a back a backseat right now, or will we see more of that other project as well? So we have committed to a three-book deal for Rickety Stitch. Um, so that is taking up my life <laughs> for that, however long that takes. Um, I definitely do... Uh, want to put out book three of Pong, but I'm just not sure when that's going to be. So, if there are any fans out there, um, just know that I really want to do it eventually. So, um, what are the projections for for the next three volumes of this of this fantastic Rickety Stitch? You know, in the July school. So, uh, I believe they're supposed to come out around the same time every year for the next three years so may. may yeah may every year from 2017 to 2019 there will be a new volume so will we be finding like an animation in the on the works in the future or a movie starring daniel day lewis who 
that would be great. Yeah, we be can't awesome. say anything now, but you know, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be amazing. So, so um, what else have you guys done? You know, besides, I know you've done pong, and and have you done anything? I have, yes. Um, so my first job out of college, I wrote uh, graphic. I was a staff writer for Campfire Press and wrote graphic novel scripts for, you know, literary conversion stuff like turning Hounds of the Baskerville into graphic novels. Um, and then from there, I published a lot of short stories, and I'm a member of the Horror Writer Association. And yeah, a lot of fiction. So you were so you're not uh, old hat to this. So you, you're coming in like. You know, I knew what to do. I'm, let's just make this happen. It wasn't like just like you know. Oh, I'm gonna go in and just do this. Like you knew, like this is what we're gonna do. Both of us, both of us are like that. That sounds amazing. Like really, you guys are just like childhood friends. Came together, made a book that's being published. Sounds like a movie. <laughs> You're making me pumped up about it. And it's like, <laughs> I know. I should be like a hype man. Should be. PR. Um, so, uh, before we close, is there anything that you would like your fans to know about you guys, Ricky D. Stitch, um, anything else that, that you have going on, or, or where they can find your stuff? So, you can find us anywhere, any, on any social media network, um, like at Ricky D. Stitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we update it frequently. If you go to our website, rickettystitch.com, you can sign up for a newsletter where we've got updates and goodies that we give out so that you, you know when you can see stuff and buy stuff and, and all, the, all the different updates. Nothing. I, so so ben, ben has nothing. That, so you. <laughs> ben has nothing. But well, that sums it up. That sums it up. Well, he, I know he, he likes to talk with his hands. So, so um, on that note, and I'm Desmond, uh, standing here with Ben Costa and James Parks. Uh, for the Geek Chat here in sunny San Diego for uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2016. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to uh, be interviewed by the Geek Chat. Thank you. Thank it's you, been great. Hey, 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 everybody. And uh, it's Desmond, and I'm still here at Comic-Con uh, 2016 uh, here in sunny San Diego. I should say humid San Diego. But I'm sitting here with a very talented... Debbie Huey. <laughs> Hello, Debbie. What do you do for a living? For a living, I, I work in a library, but for here in San Diego, I write and draw a comic called Bumper Boy. And how long have you been drawing Bumper Boy and writing it? Uh, it's been, gosh, since 2002, so that makes it 14 years. <laughs> and why Bumper Boy? Why Bumper Boy? Um, the name? Uh, it, it actually just came from... A list of names that I wrote down. So when I when I first drew Bumper Boy back in 2000, I was just drawing these um, these random kids in in snow gear, and I drew one that was very simplistic, and it turned out to be Bumper Boy. And um, the drawing just you know was like a happy accident. It came out as something that I felt was very special, and so um, I started writing a whole list of names like Rocket Boy, Marshmallow Boy. The very last name on the list, Bumper Boy, and it just stuck. <laughs> um, so who is Bumper Boy? So Bumper Boy is um, a boy. He lives in uh, the land of Bumptopia with his best pal, Bumper Pup. And together they just uh, they go on adventures together, solve mysteries, um, you know, meet new friends. Uh, they do a lot of things just with all their friends. And so is this an all-ages book, or, or what is the target you know, demographic for this book? 
So um, I'd like to say it's all ages. It's, uh, you know, I definitely have fans uh, um, from, you know, four to, to, to much older. Um, I have many adult fans, um, but it is definitely kid-friendly. Um, you know, a lot of parents will read their, uh, read Bumper Boy to their kids even before they can even read. So you say as your normal job, I guess your, your day-to-day job as a librarian, do you work with a lot of kids in the library? Absolutely. So I, um, I work with, you know, all ages at the library as well. I mostly do work with um, tweens, you know, just do it, working on programming with them, um, you know, just making crafts. You know, I kind of try to incorporate a lot of um, comics into the library as well. Uh, I actually started um, organizing uh, a committee that, that we, we made uh, the Comic Arts Fest in, in my library system. So we're trying to make a lot of workshops and author visits, really to bring the community, uh, the comics community, out into the library, but also, um, conversely, trying to bring comics to the library community and really promoting comics as a you know a valid medium of literature and not just funny books for for kids. I totally agree, one hundred percent. I have a friend, you know, back in Fresno who actually, like, gets a lot of his manga and a lot of his comic books from the library. Same thing with my brother-in-law. So com- uh, comics showing up in the library is is fantastic. It's a great way for people to actually try a new series. Um, where is your, uh, you know, county library located? My, uh, my library system is the San Mateo County Library System, which is up in uh, Northern California, a few, um, you know, a few miles south of San Francisco. And... And was were you doing that before? Uh, and by, by doing that, I mean uh, working with these programming. Were you doing that before Bumper Boy, or was Bumper Boy sort of like from from this? You know, did you say like, oh, I'm working Bumper Boy. This would be really cool to actually take to the library system as well. Uh, so yeah, I was working with Bumper Boy first. Um, I, I was working with Bumper Boy full time. Eventually, I started getting a, a small part time job in the library just to kind of basically get out of the house instead of, you know, drawing comics all day in my pajamas. It was a way to, um, you know, have some human interaction outside and um, and just, you know, get a few hours outside. Eventually, the, the, the scales got tipped and the library work actually became the, um, you know, my, the, the main source of my time and, and work, um, which is, you know, sometimes that makes me sad because I, you know, I do less comics these days. But I love my library work. You know, I love the mission that that it has, and you know, bringing the the Comic Arts Fest to to our library system is kind of a way to like really you know join these two passions together, and I get to you know have fun like bringing you know like the resources that I have like from the comics industry, like bringing in different authors that I know and and using those resources to bring them into the library. I just thought it worked really well. So is the um. The library comic book event, is that a once-a-year thing, or is it uh, an ongoing thing? So um, we've only had it once at our in our library system so far. It was back in October 2015. Um, it went really well. It still had its growing pains. It's something that, you know, I'm still very new to doing and working with, like, a, you know, planning a, a big event like this. It, you know, it went for a whole month, so it was just spread throughout different um, branches um, throughout the whole month. And so we're planning to do it again in February. Again, um, you know, spread out through the whole month, trying the same format of, like, bringing different, like, you know, workshops for hopefully for kids, teens and adults, um, author visits, uh, you know, 
we're, we hope to like have you know library book discussion groups that try reading a, a, a comic for that month. So you know it's been, it's been fun just seeing you know people who don't normally read comics and just having them try them out and they actually enjoy them. Cool. And so uh, this will be February uh, 2017 is when it's going to happen. Will you be having any, uh, is there a place where people can go to find information about this event? Uh, it's not, uh, we don't have anything live yet, but on our website for the library, it's uh, smcl.org, which is San Mateo County Library. Um, that's where you will find information about it. Unfortunately, it's, it's not right, it's not there yet, but eventually you will see it there. Can you find information about last year's event there? Uh you know what? Probably not. We just revamped the website, so I think they wiped out everything that was there before, unfortunately. But still, it is definitely something to look forward to. And where can people get uh, Bumper Boy if they're not able to make it to a con? Uh, you can find out uh, more about Bumper Boy and also um, find uh, you know the, the, the books and such and merchandise at bumperboy.net. So it's B-U-M-P-E-R-B-O-Y dot N-E-T. Well, thank you so much, Debbie, for, for taking a time and, uh, and being interviewed by the Geek Chat. Again, we're longtime fans, and uh, we wish you much success. Thank you, Desmond. Thank you. Hey, 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 everybody, and it's Desmond, and I'm back here still at Comic-Con, uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, 2016. The heat's finally getting to me, I think. But I'm standing here with... Jenny Wood. Yay! So, uh, Jenny... Tell me about yourself. Well, I am. Uh, I currently live in Boston. I grew up in Salisbury, North Carolina, and I'm a creator, writer, musician. My main project is Flutter, and I'm the writer-creator on that. Flutter is a graphic novel series about a girl who shapeshifts into a boy to get her dream girl, and then the chaos that comes from pretending to be someone she's not. Wow. Okay. So, how did you come up with the uh, with the story for Flutter? Well, it's very. It's a very personal. Autobiographical, uh, autobiography, minus the bells and whistles of shapeshifting. I can't shapeshift. But when I was growing up in that small town in North Carolina, um, I worked at a movie theater after high school, and I'd watch all my boy, my male cousins come to the movies uh, and bring girls on dates. And while they were in the movies and I was making popcorn, I would daydream about what it would be like to be them, to be a guy who could take a girl to the movies. Because I wasn't out to myself, and even if I was an out lesbian, I, that's just unheard of in that small town to bring a girl to the movies. Still today, you don't see that happen in that conservative small town where I'm from. And that was the root of Flutter, is that imagining what it would like be like to be a boy and imagining that my life would be better. Of course, I've grown up since then and realized guys have their difficulties, too, and that's kind of Lily, the protagonist in Flutter. That's part of her journey, too. So it's a very personal journey. Um, how long did it take you to come up with the idea to do this? Since you were kind of thinking about it for a while, you know, when, when did, like, you know, the, the, the nose hit the grindstone, so to speak, to, like, to get it done and, and tell the story? Yeah. It, it was about a year-long process. I started writing it uh, first as a short story, and, and, pro, and the prose just felt too flat, too static for me. I wanted a way to show that shape-shifting, have it jump off the page. And then I started playing around with the screenplay teleplay. Couldn't get my brain around bad special effects of the shape-shifting. And at that same time, I was reading a lot of graphic novels, especially Brian K. Vaughn's Why the Last Man. That's such an epic story. And I felt like if I could ground the characters in just a real-world setting, I could tell an epic story like that. It just gave me the idea of, let me try this as a graphic novel. 
and I was in Boston at the time. I just moved there, uh, and I was taking a graphic novel comic writing class from Grub Street, which is an independent writing center in Boston. And that's where I started working on Flutter, and now five years later, I'm teaching that class. So it's just been a kind of a crazy whirlwind because Flutter was my first comic, and since then I've been writing other comics, and it just kind of got the whole ball rolling. And I think when you find not just the story you want to tell, but you kind of get out of the way of any preconceived notions of how you want to tell it and let it lead you to the right place uh, or the right way to tell it, it, things just start rolling. Cool. And then how did you find your artist? I found my artist, Jeff McComsey, actually through that Grub Street class. Uh, a, a mutual friend introduced it, said, hey, this sounds like a perfect project for Jeff. Jeff is in Pennsylvania, so it was a long-distance working relationship, but we both work really well that way. Um, and, yeah, he, this mutual friend just introduced us. So I think it's another thing, you know, for uh, aspiring comic creators to just get your ideas out there and share them, and, and that's how you can meet artists. And so this is completely self-published, is that correct? Actually, it started off as a self-published comic, a black and white, and uh, I showed it to publishers, and 215 Inc., which is a small indie press outside of Philly, uh, wanted to do it as a graphic novel series, full color. So we're on 215 Inc. Yeah. That's awesome. And how long have you been on there? Um, about uh, four years now. So. And that's where, uh, where can people get uh, Flutter if they want to, aside from coming to the cons that you right. go to? Yeah, we'll be at Boston Comic Con, New York Comic Con, SBX, and Flame Con in New York in August. But you can also get it on Comixology. You can get it through 215 Inc.'s website. You can get it through my website, JennyWood.com, and that's J-E-N-N-I-E-W-O-O-D. And you can also get it through Amazon. And uh, so what, you said you're working on other books. What other books should we expect from you in the future? Well, I'm working on Volume 3 of Flutter. I also have a young adult novel called A Boy Like Me, and that's about a transgender teenage boy who is growing up in a small southern town, and the whole town thinks he's a butch lesbian, and it's about him embracing who he is. I've got a new series we hope to get out early next year called Alternica, and that is set in the future, and it is a, it also deals with gender. It is a, a teenage girl who's been raised a boy, in this uh, totalitarian New South so that she can then travel back in time, overtake the government, overthrow the government, and free all women. Um, and I'm very excited about that. So I'm just in the beginning stages of, of working with an artist. I've got the script done. He's starting the art now, but we hope to have it out next year. And these are all uh, graphic novels or some of them uh, prose? Uh, a Boy Like Me is a prose. It's first-person point of view. It's a prose novel, yes. But the other one is uh, a graphic novel. Yes. And um, what other books have you done in the past? I know you said that Flutter was your first one. Have you published other uh, prose books before? Not prose. A Boy Like Me is my, my only prose novel so far. I'm working on my second one right now. But I've done um, a lot of comics and anthologies. I'm an ongoing contributor to FUBAR, which is a... Uh, a zombie anthology, but it's also history, so that we take stories from World War II, uh, from uh, American history, and we research those stories, and we find a fun way to put the zombies in them. So it's actual events from history, but with zombies. I've also um, written a story for the 27 Club anthology, which is nominated for a Harvey Award this year. I did a story on Amy Winehouse, because that anthology is about all the musicians who died at the age of 27. Wow. Wow. So, um... How do you find out about doing work for anthologies and stuff like that? 
FUBAR is the main, or has been for several years, the main project of Jeff McComsey, who is the artist for Flutter. So uh, when we started working on Flutter t together, I started writing stories for his FUBAR anthology. And then 27 Club is published by Red Stylo Media, and they put out a call every January. They do an anthology a year, and every January they put out a call uh, asking for pitches. And you submit a pitch to them. If they accept it, you write the story. They find an artist for you, and, and you're published. It, that, that's a really great way for, again, up-and-coming comic creators and writers to get the, published for the first time. And again, that is Red Stylo Media. So if you go to like redstylo.com, they uh, every January do an open call. That's amazing. That is really cool to to give an opportunity, you know, for people who have voices to do that. Um, so, do you have any final thoughts, you know, for your for your fans or anything that you'd like your fans to know about you or about the world or or anything like that? I always like to end on sort of like, what are you thinking, you know? You know, it's been a crazy year um, in the news, in politics, in my personal life. Uh, my mom passed away at the very end of last year, and um, I had a full-time writing editing job that got eliminated, but that's actually it was a blessing in disguise because it gives me more time to work on my fiction and my comics. So I think what the lesson I learned with that particular uh, situation this year is no matter how bad the news looks, your personal news or, or the, you know, the world at large, there is that silver lining. Everything is happening for a reason. You're going to be okay. Like, things just aren't as bad as they seem. That's what I've learned, you know, that no matter how, how bleak it gets to just keep going because around the corner is that silver lining or that reason why this is happening, and you end up in a better place. Like, it's as crappy as the first uh, few months of this year were, like, I'm in a better place now because of it, if that makes sense. That's what's on my mind. Good, and that's what we want. You know, yeah. we want people to basically yeah. just say, like, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, so yeah. thank you so much for taking the time. And, uh, again, let us know where we can find you. Uh, JennyWood.com, and that is J-E-N-N-I-E-W-O-O-D. -E thank you so much. All righty, so it's Desmond again, and I'm still here at San Diego Comic-Con 2016. I'm sitting here with... Ted Nafee. Thank you. Like, I've always been calling you Ted Neff, but it's Nafee. So I'm glad that I know how to say your name, like, correctly now. Thank you. Nobody gets it right. It's, uh, it's one of those names that does not uh, sound like it's spelled. Well, I'm glad that I know now, you yeah. know, how to say it. And I'll correct people who say it like that. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> um, so... What are you here to promote? Like, what are you doing? I know what you're doing, and I'm really excited for it. So, so please, let me know. Well, my big push this year is uh, this new book I'm doing called Knight's Dominion. It's a fantasy book, but secretly, it's a superhero book set in an ancient fantasy setting. Uh, I, everybody says that uh, superheroes are our modern myths, and I kind of wanted to take the modern out and see what, what I would get. And, and so who are these characters, and, and what is the world that they inhabit, without giving too much away? Well, it starts off with a, a thief assassin, a magic user, and a cleric walk into a bar to meet a, a bard who's got a plan to break into a dungeon and steal a treasure. Stop me if you've heard this story before. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, I, so I had this idea of taking these kind of old Dungeons & Dragons tropes and, you know, doing interesting variations like culturally interesting variations on them and then uh letting them loose in this really grim fantasy world 
and having them kind of struggle to find heroism in this kind of grim, feudal fantasy world where all anybody cares about is, is treasure. Okay, and, and what, is the, what is the world that they, that they occupy? Is it a Dungeons & Dragons type scenario, or is it... Um, it's, a, it's a city. I wanted to do a, fan, like a, a teeming metropolis in ancient civilization. It's 2,500 years ago, maybe, like kind of in, the, kind of in a Conan-y flavor. Um, it's, it's a city called Umber. Uh, it's dark and muddy and crappy and everybody's miserable. Uh, as one would expect in a feudal society where the, you know, the vanishingly few have all the money. And you, know, you said that you drew your inspiration from Dungeons & Dragons and some other, you know, those kind of trips. Was there any other things that, you've, uh, that you kind of read or researched? Oh, I actually really, uh, I've been digging into the history of uh, the invention of democracy, which I found because, to me, superheroes are interesting because they are kind of explorations of what it is to be free, what it is to what civilization is built on, um, and uh, and all those things. And so I wanted to dig back to the origins of those things. And so I started researching the origins of democracy in Athens, and learned that democracy was the the principles of it were worked out on the stage in you know in in theater plays by uh, playwrights that were doing social criticism and, and political criticism in plays. And I thought it would be really interesting to kind of explore this idea of superheroes becoming folk heroes who then become demonstrations of what freedom should be. And, that, and so this world goes from being this brutal, ugly, feudal ci- city to little by little a democratic, you know, uh, republic. Um, through the you know by by through the example of the heroes. Wow, that's I mean, that sounds like a very like from a, such a small seed to to build such a giant tree. How many issues is this planning? <laughs> well, uh, the first story arc is six issues, and that is just the the opening moment where the character where a bunch of desperate characters s- suddenly find themselves heroes defending the city that. Technically, they hate because this is a city that's pushed their backs against the wall, um, like it does to everybody. Um, but then they find that, you know, if it's the city or doom, well, they, you know, they choose civilization, right? That's what superheroes do. Um, and, uh, and so I wanted to start with that, but I have it planned to be, you know, like I have three or four more arcs that are potentially anywhere from four to eight issues long each. Uh, all basically plotted out. Wow, you really like came with your A game with this one. I mean, you always bring your A game because I read Princess Ugg and I, I read you know Courtney Crummer, and so I read all those other books. So when I saw this book coming out, I was like, "What? Ted Nafe's doing? Ted Nafe's doing superheroes?" And and and, uh, and, and that's kind of what you how you were pitching it. And I was Very just like, "So, yeah, yeah." But I mean, it's it's not really my A game. This is kind of a whole different level. It's an obsession. It's what's happened is my love affair with you know the superheroes that i grew up with with uh, things you know the great works like you know a great example is the justice league cartoon that everybody adores and i war- i've watched the whole thing through probably 10 times and um, even the bad episodes uh, and i just love how these colorful bright characters you know just through through the the medium of punching other people in the face they somehow really explore this huge range 
of social, political, and personal uh, subtext. And I love that about superheroes. And I really, somehow, it just, the ideas obsessed me until they just came out as this. And this premise of taking them into this mythic uh, fantasy root uh, uh, place just became, like, it just, it, it, this idea, it became an explosion of ideas. Like, where to go, what to explore, how to really dig into the best of superhero stories. Or at least in my opinion. How did you come up with the name Knight's Dominion? Oh, boy. Well, that was uh, my publishers did not like the original name, and then they talked me out of it. The original name was called the Umber Knights, because the city is called Umber. Uh, and uh, I thought the, I liked the juxtaposition of this ugly color with these, you know, as opposed to white knights or even black knights. Umber is the, they're dirty, earthy knights, which I liked, but it doesn't exactly inspire sparkle. So, you know, uh, we talked it over, Oni talked it over, and they never were... They never were insistent, and I never put my foot down and said, no, we're keeping my title. We, you know, and both of us were real tempted to insist but that, and to butt heads, but instead we worked it out. We talked, and we came up with like a million different titles, and we finally settled on Knight's Dominion as, um, uh, as just the most romantic alternative title because, you know, the, the other thing is that there is a character called that I refer to as the Umber Knight who is not the main character. Uh, and then Knight's Dominion uh, is a different kind of name because I'm doing this thing where I'm juxtaposing this character who's called the Umber Knight with the main character who's referred to as the Knight without a K because uh, she's a thief. She steals in like the Knight and you come in the next morning and all your stuff is gone. If you're a rich bastard, of course, because she steals from the rich. Uh, but uh, I love the, con the, the juxtaposition that these two people are very similar, and yet what they're, they're coming from very opposite points. One is, you know, this shining example, trying to be a shining example, and the other is just, you know, uh, untamable darkness. Uh, and I like that they're, very, that they're very diametrically opposed, but they uh, have a, you know, rich respect for one another. So, but I like the idea, to, to me, the, the, because the main character is named the Knight, and she represents kind of untamable darkness. Um, not necessarily evil, but untamable darkness. Um, I felt like that, the exploration of her place, uh, the untamable darkness within the heart of all people who want to change the world, is, and have it in them to change the world, I felt like that would be a good title for the book. It looks it looks good, and I and I cannot wait to read it. Um, where can people find you? Um, I know the book's coming out from Onium. It should be released uh, this coming month, right? Correct. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, September seventh. Okay. I, I keep like we're in July, and I, I keep seeing uh, pushes for it. And um, oh yeah, well because it's it's uh, being pushed right now very heavily because it's in the Diamond catalog until uh, August fifteenth, and I really. I really need people to order the hell out of issue one because if that decides the fate of the book. You order issue one and, um, you know, and that decides how the numbers for issue two, which decides the numbers for issue three. If, if, if issue one gets X amount, then that decides basically the fate of the, the next four issues. Um, so where can people find you? Uh, where can people find me? I'm online. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm at tednafey.com. Uh, or you can buy any of my books uh, all over the internet, Amazon.com, 
or anywhere that you uh, want to order fine comic books. Cool. Um, any parting words for your fans, people who listen? Please, please, or uh, go to your retailer and ask them to pick up this book and to order as many copies as you can uh, get them to order because, like I said, this decides the fate of this book. If it's a big hit, I can keep going with it forever. But if it's, uh, if it's not a big hit, then, you know, I'm back to the drawing board. Well, I cannot wait. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, everybody, so uh, it's Desmond again, and I'm here with... Jamal Eigel. All right, Jamal. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. Uh, big fan. Followed your work from DC, for, you know, and now you have this. You're at this new place, Action Lab. So uh, tell me a little bit about Action Lab and and what you do here. Okay. Um, I am, amongst other things, I'm uh, publishing my book Molly Danger as well as the other Action Verse titles through Action Lab. I'm also Action Lab's uh, vice president of marketing and publicity. And Action Lab Entertainment is a publisher, amongst other things, but we have two lines of books. We do all-ages titles through our main line, which is Action Lab Entertainment, and then Action Lab Danger Zone publishes mature readers' material. I mean, so what brought you uh, to Action Lab? Like, well, what is it about Action Lab? Because it's an, indip- it's, 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 an, it's an indie publisher, you know, uh, and coming from, you know, D.C. And, and the big two. What brought you here? Well, I actually knew the founders of Action Lab before there was an Action Lab. So when uh, Action Lab basically started, they had one title that they they launched the company with a Kickstarter for a book called Fracture, which became the flagship title for the company for a while. They did the first Fracture miniseries. They decided to form a publishing company. And since then, it's been about working with as many... Uh, independent creators, 90% of our line is creator-owned material. Uh, we have a few company-owned titles like Zombie Tramp and Vampire and uh, Princeless, but it's primarily uh, creator-owned material. So we try to work with a large variety of creators. We take on any subject matter from uh, Nutmeg, which is about two girls who stumble upon an addictive brownie recipe and start a criminal empire baked around brownies, to my own title, Molly Danger, or Stray, which is a more traditional superhero title, or you know something like Hero Cats of Stellar City, or The Soft Spots, or Action Lab, Dog of Wonder which is sort of like this James Bond kind of dog who goes around freeing stray animals from the, from the pound. So, you know, we, we like doing different things. We like doing the type of books that most other publishers, at the, at the time when the company was founded, most other publishers wouldn't do the type of material that we're doing. Now you're starting to see more and more of it from Boom and IDW, but Action Lab was sort of in the door first as, as far as that's concerned. And I know that, like, Princeless, like, has, like, a lot of legs, and it's, it's like, really taking those, those uh, you know, Princess in Peril kind of thing and, and like, really putting in it, uh, that, that critiquing and putting it on its ear. And it really is, it's, for me, it's, it's kind of one of the ones that really started not the trend, but really, like, really took that trend right. of, like, you know, the, the Mary Sue and wanting to really be their own independent person, you know, and, and having her be an African-American, you know, princess. Like, like, where did that come from? Oh, you would have to ask Jeremy, but, uh, but from uh, what I was, and this came from a conversation that I had with the creator, Jeremy Whitley, is that he wanted to create a comic that he could show 
his daughter, that she could see her, she could see a reflection of herself in a comic book character, and that's basically where he got the idea to make Adrian Black and have her be the lead character. I mean, that, but that's the thing. It's like here's a, a line of books, like you said, that 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 is really doing everything. It's really trying to do everything, and it's not shying away. And one thing that I'm excited about is Molly Danger because. You know, no, seriously, everyone is saying, like, oh, you know, leave superheroes to the big two. You know, th- that's where they belong. We'll, we'll do it if it's sort of slice of life or, or, or like, kitschy sci-fi. But you're actually, no, you're like, you're doing, like, a superhero. Like, how does that, how does, like, an action, an action verse, how does that, how does that feel? Like, it, no, it feels good. But I, I have such a long pedigree when it comes to superhero comics, and it's, Obviously, something that I still enjoy reading and still enjoy seeing other publishers do. the The idea behind Molly is really more about it's it's less of to me it's less of a superhero story as it is a coming of age story. It just happens to be about a character who is this, you know, long suffering superhero in a lot of ways. You know, it, it really it's. Superheroes as themselves are just a trope. You know, it's a vehicle to tell whatever story you want to tell. And the story of Molly Danger is about this young girl trying to find herself in a world where she's sort of frozen in. She's, you know, she's she's watching the world march by around her while she doesn't change. You know, she doesn't age. You know, she doesn't seem to mature. She gains experience, but she doesn't mature the way that you would expect you know, expect her to, and it it causes not just a longing in her as a person, but it affects the relationships around her. So, how did you come up with Molly Danger? It it started. It was very mercenary originally. Um, it started as an animation pitch, and uh, it. I was at a car ride with a friend of mine, and we were kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. And the first thing that came was the name. And then, like, the base idea, which was much more nebulous, was more of a Alice in Wonderland, sort of Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld, you know, characters bouncing back and forth between dimensions and everything. And it just, it seemed like it was too complicated at that point. And, you know, there was, you have to keep in mind that there was a, 10-year gap between Molly's creation and when the first book finally came out. So in that 10 years, I had an opportunity, after quite some time, I had an opportunity to sort of revisit the concept. And I started with the base concept that she's Molly Danger. She's always been Molly Danger, and the only thing she knows about herself is Molly Danger. And that actually helped inform the rest of the narrative. So I was able to build from that the idea that here you have this little girl who is immortally 10 years old. Like, she doesn't age. She doesn't change. She gains experience, but she doesn't mature. And it, she's looking for a life outside of being a superhero. So, you know, ultimately with Molly Danger, the story is going to be about her coming to grips with this, this life. You know, that, you know, for the most part, she's sort of happily smiled through. There's a lot of responsibilities that come with being her. You know? And then as far as her connection with Action First, that really came more out of the conversation 
with uh, Vito Del Sante, the creator of Stray, and Ray Anthony Height, the creator of Midnight Tiger, of wanting to do something with the three characters. And when they said they wanted to do a crossover, and I, and I was like, you know what? Molly would be a perfect fit for what they were doing. And we just started building the relationships from there. So we were able to, we're, you'll see more of it as things go along, but there's this long-standing relationship between Molly and Stray that goes back to when he was a teen sidekick. You know, and you know, we're going to explore that a little bit more and see, you know, how that relationship developed a bit more. And now, you know, Gavin, Midnight Tiger is getting to tag along with these, you know, veteran heroes. You know, and then with Actionverse, we pulled in Fracture we pulled in Virtue from Fracture, the lead character from Fracture, and made him not the villain but an antagonist because we had an a villain in Cascade, who was also from the first Fracture miniseries, actually was pulled into another dimension at the end of the first Fracture miniseries. So we, you know, it was pulling the, the uh, getting the idea to do Actionverse as a miniseries, figuring out how to pull all these disparate characters because they didn't all exist on the same planet and the same universe, and just you know doing. A good old-fashioned, you know, Marvel DC style crossover, you know, and having, you know, having, you know, something that would have long-term ramifications. Because if you read First Hero, the, the current First Hero miniseries, Wednesday's Child, you'll see how, you know, Jake Roth, the First Hero, his trip to the action verse effect has affected him and the direction of his character. That's just—that's what I mean. It's like it's like there are other voices besides Marvel and DC who tell quality, you know, good, fantastic superhero esque, you know, even super just basic superhero stories. It's like there's other options out there for people. You know, you just have to really look for it. So, what else are you doing um, as as an artist, as a writer? You know, I know I know Axiverse takes up your life, but is there anything else that you're doing? Yeah, I'm currently working on a miniseries that will be collected into a graphic novel called Black that was, uh, that's coming out from Black Mass Studios. It's written by uh, Kwanzaa Safajo and designed by Tim Smith III. And uh, covers by Kari Randolph, and I'm doing the pencils on it. And it's about a world where only black people are able to get superpowers. And uh, there's a whole... It's a sci-fi story. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's very cool. The first issue is coming out in September, the end of September. Having a lot of fun on that, and working on Molly at the same time. So, very busy man. I know that I'm really looking forward uh, to Black because I think that's a very interesting concept, <laughs> given the current climate. Yeah. That's all we're going to say about that. Yeah. But, but I think I think you know that's that's as a comic book reader, you know, of color. I mean, they know why. <laughs> you know, I I want to see that story. Like, I want to see. What's gonna happen? So, so where can people find you? And I know they can find Action Lab. I mean, right, come on. Right, right. But where can people find you and see what you're doing and, and what, what you're all about? Um, I'm just look up Jamal Eigel. I'm you know JamalEigel.com is my website. I'm on Facebook as Jamal Eigel. I'm on Twitter as Jamal Eigel. Or you could look up on Twitter look look up that Eigel kid. <laughs> I'm just saying that's where you get see Jamal Eigel. I mean, it's like I don't think I was gonna steal that duck coming. <laughs> Or Twitter handle, like you got it, like you got it. Like, this is me. Exactly. So yeah, if you look up Jamal Eigel online, you'll find me. Alrighty. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Oh, my pleasure. 
Hey, 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 everybody. It's Desmond, and I'm here with... China Cooks and Flores. Yes, yes. Friend from a very long time ago, and I'm, I'm happy, so happy that she has a new book out. Um, and we're going to talk about it right now. What book is that? Uh, well, uh, which one are we talking about? Because I've got two coming out right now. Or, um, it's Blue Monday is coming out through Image. And uh, I also have a crossover that I'm writing um, for uh, Boom Studios and DC. It's the um, Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy. Yeah, I, that was the other one. I, I thank you for reminding me. the The Blue Monday it's it's a it's a, it's all it's an all colored issue, right? Is that correct, or or, or is there new material as well? Um, no, actually, this is uh, yeah, it's a kind of a, a reissue of sorts. It's the original book that came out 16 years ago, except now it's larger and it's in color. Um, we have a new introduction by Kieran Gillen, so feeling very very lucky with that, and it looks amazing. Colors by Jordi Belair. She's uh, you know doing the old trades up, and and then it's going to lead into a new um, series come spring, um, brand new stuff. So yeah, it's all. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about Blue Monday? Uh, yeah, you know, I always kind of liken it to um, a John Hughes film. Uh, say it's it's probably like a 16 Candles meets uh, Savage Steve Holland, so like Better Off Dead or One Crazy Summer, you know, but with uh, lots of cursing and smokes and things like that, you know. Kids generally behaving badly. It takes place in the um, early 1990s um, up in Northern California at a high school where it's a, it's a very tiny town and it's got a lot of uh, antagonists there for our small group of misfit kids who are mostly like punks, mods, and just general weirdos who, you know, I think a lot of us can relate to. <laughs> so, yeah, it's them in that situation. The first issue or the first volume is actually them kind of chasing... Uh, the main character is chasing Adam Ant and trying to get Adam Ant tickets because that's her idol. You know, she feels that she was born about 10 years too late. It's Blue Finnegan. And, uh, you know, so she missed out on the new romantic, new wave thing, being a teenager during that time. But uh, with, you know, one of these uh, uh, rockers still touring and stuff, she thinks, oh, that's my chance, you know, finally meet him. And, and so it's just this kind of whole Detroit Rock City sort of thing, you know, going on here. <laughs> Yeah, having read the original, you know, version, you know, in my collection, I cannot wait to see this new version and the new material that's coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about the new material that you have coming? Is it next year or the year after? Oh, no, it's it's this coming year, uh, 2017. And, um, gosh, uh, Blue has this uh, crush on her teacher. And her whole thing is she's trying to make herself more appealing to him, you know, um, but he's so much older. Obviously it's super wrong. Everybody's like, no, don't do this. But she's thinking, okay, well, if, you know, if I make myself more mature or seem more mature, then maybe he'll actually have interest in me. And, um, you know, she she doesn't like the high school boys. They're too immature. They're kind of lame. They don't have a lot going on. And and Mr. Bishop, the apple of her eye, or um, he is, you know, cool. He's he's smart. He's a history teacher. He's got a a really rad old school car. You know, just all the, the stuff that, you know, like, oh, She's very much a teenager. She's 15, you know, but her whole quest, and I hope we can talk about this on here, she thinks, well, if I lose my virginity, suddenly I'll be really mature, you know, which is a terrible idea. So it's kind of a a super farce, uh, uh, just disaster happening. It's going to be really funny. So uh, hopefully you guys will check it out. (laughs) I definitely will. Um, How many issues is it going to be? Um, this one's going to be six issues, but it technically would be seven. I'm combining. Originally, um, I had number one of Thieves Like Us, which would be volume five, come out a long time ago, and then it got derailed a bit, uh, quite a bit, <laughs> for several years. So um, instead of you know uh, uh, 
old school readers like having to rebuy the first issue. I'm combining issue one and two into one big issue um, when it comes out, when it debuts again. So they're going to get new material as well as the stuff they, they might have already seen. So it's kind of like a, um, uh, a prologue, you know, plus a new issue. And then it'll, yeah, be six issues long, but bigger. <laughs> is there any... Is there any um any uh, idea if there are going to be any other colored editions of the original material? What's that? Is there, any, is there going to be any other uh, colored editions of the original material? I mean, the, um, the uh, like, Scooter Girl and stuff like oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Scooter Girl is actually going to be coming out in December in all color as well. So I'm really excited about that, too. Um, that's also going to be through Image, and it's going to be gorgeous. I can't wait to see that. So. Sorry, I should have prefaced it because people might not know that you've, you, you have, like, a huge backlog of stuff that you did, you know, Blue Monday, Scooter Girl, and some other stuff, but it was all black and white. Yes. And it's like now all of this stuff is... is you know, getting a color treatment, you know, to, just to kind of, like, to introduce new, new readers to you and, and give, like, you know, the older readers or people who have been, you know, fans for a long time, you know, a, a way to explore and, and enjoy this all over again. So I think that's fantastic that this is happening from Image. Um, how did it come about that you that you landed over at Image? Um, I was... Uh, it's kind of a tough question. Um, when I was with... Uh, Oni, uh, we just we had some different ideas about the direction that the um, book was going to go in, and uh, I, I love Oni to pieces, but uh, just kind of felt that it, you know maybe it would you know get a breath of new life at another publisher, and I just happened to um, um, ask Image if they might be interested, and they said hell yeah, so I'm like okay, that's really cool. Apparently, there's some fans in uh, editorial that used to read it back in the day too, so um, they thought that it would do well and, and really wanted to give it the color treatment that I was hoping for. And, and so it just seemed like a good fit. Uh, just, you know, lucked out, I guess. Did you love that when you, when like your, when your fans for like, for like years ago, like, you know, grow up and they're like, you know, in, in the, in the industry and you're like, yay, you know, isn't that really cool? I, got, I just feel super lucky because I have no idea. And then suddenly somebody be like, oh no, I, I used to read it back in the day and I want you to do this thing. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. That's actually what happened with the work that I'm doing with Boom. Um, Shannon Waters, loves uh blue monday used to read it and she was like hey you know you want to do this of course i do <laughs> this would be fantastic the lumberjanes is amazing and and any chance to write for them would be great and i just i didn't realize that there was any kind of connection there so yeah super super lucky it just randomly happens at times and you just never know where it, where it's going to come from uh, that's a great segue to your to your other project, uh, the Lumberjanes uh, book that you're writing right now, crossover with Gotham Academy. How, how did that come about? Can you tell me about a little bit, a little bit about that? Same thing. I guess they were in talks. I didn't know about it. And they said, you know, you think you might be available? We have this super secret project that we're going to be doing, and it'd be, you know, Lumberjanes and somebody else. But, you know, are, are you open during this time? I'm like, well, you know, let me know what it is, and hopefully I will be. And then, they, you know, they were like, Cause obviously I want to work on something like that. But I didn't know exactly what it was. So they said, oh, okay. And then when they could finally talk about it, yeah, we want you to write, you know, Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy. Absolutely, you know, it's like ah, I love both properties so much. So it was just like a dream. Like, ah, yeah, heck yeah, I'd do that, <laughs> no problem. How did you come up with this story uh, for this crossover? Um, it was it was kind of cool. They uh, said that it was going to be you know the Gotham Academy kids on Lumberjanes territory since we're doing it through Boom. And so like, oh man, let's get those kids into the woods. 
well, you know, uh, I could come up with something really crazy. They, they kind of had an idea. They wanted it to center around um, like a cabin or a lodge or something. Oh, oh yeah, I can do that. That would be no problem. And, and I ended up coming with, up with this really kind of dark idea first. And then I realized, no, I'm, I'm, you know, it was still a little bit more Gotham Academy than Lumberjanes. And I realized, you know, let's, let's lighten it up a bit. It, it, originally, it had been a kind of um, ghost story, dark, you know, time uh, uh travel thing and it's like you know too many paradoxes and things like that so I ended up uh, coming up with this current idea um, where they get kind of sucked into uh, 1986 you know so it's a, a nice it's still time warpy but it's it's a bit different it's not going to be what you expect so it's a, it's a lot of um, displacement and you know people out of uh, like fish out of water uh, type situations and it's kind of the running theme here and I, I don't know if I want to give too much away but um it, uh, I don't know, it just seemed to, to really gel together easily because characters are easy to write and they're so interesting and so much fun and all these kids, you know, we could put them in a really fun situation, what would be bright and summery and all this kind of stuff while also dark and spooky, well, let's have them be stuck in a 1986 setting and they're also trapped and it's just, I don't know, it's hard to explain. No, no, no. <laughs> I had a good time doing it. No, that's great because like I'm having a blast reading it, you know, and, and, and enjoying it. Um, so can you please tell us where we can find you um, and your and all the many projects that you have coming out? Um, online? Uh, I am really easy to track down. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Twitter, I'm uh, China Syndrome. On Facebook, it's just my name, China Clicks and Flores. I'm on Tumblr. I'm really super easy to track down. <laughs> but um, And then uh, if anybody's at the con today, I'm also signing a couple times. I'll be at the Lion Forge booth at 3.30. And then I don't know if this is, is this coming up nope. today? No. Never mind. Brace that part. <laughs> it's, still, it's really fine. It's, all, it's not live, unfortunately. It's but... All, yeah. I'm easy to find, like I said. You, you can just, you know, uh, Google me, and, and I'll come up and, you know, say hi. <laughs> I, I really hope that, again, you guys, you really should check her out. You know, her stuff is amazing, and I'm glad that Blue Monday is getting, you know, getting the color treatment. It's getting more spotlight. Um, it's just amazing. So do you have, in closing, anything that you'd like, you know, your fans or our listeners to know about you or funny anecdotes? I always like putting people on the spot. Oh, funny anecdotes about me. I don't even know. I, I'm, I, you know what? I get into crowds and I get into it's. My problem is um, whenever somebody asks me a question, it's like going into a record store and you have all these things you want to buy, and then you go in there and you instantly forget every damn thing that you wanted to buy at all. Like I need to write a list or something so I can keep you know track of things. Like so, I get asked a question like that and I blank out. I'm also kind of a spaz, so I'm super neurotic, and I'll just sit here like babbling forever, like not really answering the question. Did you know? I just did that. <laughs> Amazing as always, people. Thank you so much, China. Thank you, Desmond. It's so great that you're doing this. And I miss hanging out with you. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Desmond. And I'm here at Comic-Con San Diego 2016. And I'm standing here with... Alejandro Lee. And Alejandro, who are you? I am an uh, artist uh, based out of Pasadena, California. Uh, I've been uh, doing the com convention circuit for the past seven years, promoting uh, original comics. I've done a lot of shows up and down the West Coast, like up from Seattle all the way down to San Diego. So what's bringing you here to Comic-Con uh, 2016? Oh, gosh. Well, Comic-Con is the big tent event. And um, I always I came here last year for the first time ever. And I, I really loved, like, all the – just the crazy confluence of, like um, – interesting people coming in. Did it pretty, pretty well. Thought I'd give it another shot. 
So, so which book um, are you are you showing today, uh, or, or this whole con? Well, I am the artist and writer of a series called The Ballad of Sally Sprocket and Piston Pete. It's a um, it's my passion project. It's a steampunk Wild West epic adventure. And and how did you come up with you know the Ballad of Sally Sprocket and Piston Pete? I love this story. It's um, so it was my senior year in uh, art college, and one of our senior projects was to create a completely original story of our own. And I, on the first week, we had to submit like uh, our um, sort of like the basic idea, premise. And I procrastinated for six full days. And on the sixth night, I had this really, really vivid fever dream about like this uh, about like the basic premise of my story. And then next thing I knew, I just started madly scribbling and drawing ideas for that um, presentation. And then seven years later, I got a, I've been working on this comic for that long. So, so um, what, what are you showing at the con? Like, how many issues is this? You've been working on it for seven years. So, I mean, you have a lot of stuff at your, uh, at your booth. I mean, like, figures and, and comics and graphic novels. It's like, it's like, what have you done to promote, um, you know, this property well i always uh stay active in the convention circuit i'm like super active on all my social media sites um i think i need to get i hear I, live streaming is really popular because people like to be able to interact with their um creator the uh, creators and uh i definitely like uh I do, I do a lot of local comic book shop signings and like events that's um that's the, usually how it goes so, so you have some figures here, uh, figures of Piston Pete and Sally Sprockets. How did you come up with, with doing those figures? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I didn't know I was going to be doing figures, but a uh, studio called uh, Symbiote, they're based out of Seattle, and they actually have a booth here in Comic-Con. They approached me last year and said, we really like your characters. Uh, we like to like um, try to adapt them into our um, studio like line. So I submitted designs to them, and... It was, they were really nice people. They let me have the last say on the designs. And uh, a year later of lots and lots of uh, revisions, I had the toys ready to go. And people love it here. They love these. Uh, they're vinyl. They're high quality. And uh, it's just uh, another, um, another step up for my uh, game. And um, where can people find you? And where can people find uh, The Ballad of Sally Sprocket and Piston Pete? Oh gosh! Well, you know how social media goes. There's usually like a, you usually have to grab whatever URL you can, and because you know, like some jerk always takes the good ones. So what I always tell people to do is just uh, either Google or find a hashtag of my name or the comic's name. My name, uh, my username is 47ness. That's number four, number seven, N as in Nicholas, E as in elephant, S as in snake, S as in snake. You'll find me right away. The other uh, way is to find uh, the abbreviation for my comic. It's S-S-N-P-P. S is in snake, S is in snake, N is in Nicholas, P is in Python, P is in Python. I like snakes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. It's Desmond, and I'm still here at Comic-Con San Diego uh, 2016, having a blast interviewing fantastic uh independent creators and i'm standing here with with one of my favorites ben Zito. 
So, Ben, uh, what are you here doing at the con? Well, you know, doing the usual, promoting my work, um, trying to spread the word about my comics, uh, Usagi Jane and the Skull Bunnies. And this time around, I'm trying to um, bring some awareness to my current Kickstarter project called The Art of Usagi Jane and the Skull Bunnies Volume 1, currently now live on Kickstarter. And how long does that run right now? Um, so far, it's only been about four days, so there's about 26 days left. So please check it out on this Kickstarter and uh, show your support. Much appreciated. And what is, uh, you know, the Skull Bunnies, Jane, and all, what do they do? What is it all about, sir? Tell, tell me, what is it all about? Um, all right, to sum it up in the simplest form, it's a story about the friendship between a girl and her dead bunnies. Oh, okay. Okay. So how did, how did the bunnies die? Um, that's still yet to be written, and I'm excited to tell that story um, as soon as I get home and start uh, plotting it, <laughs> putting it together. But it's been in my head for a very long time. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, once I tell that story, then you'll discover where um, not just the bunnies, but where Usagi Jane also came from. And so how long have you been working on this? Um, wow. Thinking about, about it now, it's almost been 10 years. But because I've only gotten time to work on it in between jobs and whenever I've found free time over the years, um, it's not actually that long. But uh, over the past two years, I've been really concentrating on um, working on the Skull Bunnies. And to make up for lost time, I started working on a bunch of paintings. And so now I have enough paintings to um, make into a book, and that is what my current Kickstarter project is about. And so what have you uh, published so far for Usagi Jane and the Skull Bunnies? Well, um, the most recent big thing was probably um, winning the Zurich Grant from 2012 to publish my first volume of Usagi Jane and Skull Bunnies, which collects uh, my first five uh, mini-comics. And I recently published a sixth mini-comic about a year ago. But during that time, I was still working on, um, you know, doing work stuff. So, again, uh, I go back to doing the paintings to tell the stories that I don't have time to tell in comic form. Yes, you got it's that it's that real life or not real life, but that that other life you have to do to, in order to, to get the money to do what you really want to do these passions. So, so what would you like to do with Usagi Jane and the Skull Bunny? It's like, like, what is the end? Of you, I mean, you want a movie? Do you want com? Do you want what? What do you want for that? Um, I used to joke about it that um, I would use Skull Bunnies as my way to like um, you know make into my Hello Kitty. And so that I can use the money from that to just make other stories. But I, I, I actually fell in love with Skull Bunnies. And I really want to make a really like um, immersive, like a full, like fleshed out world that's uh, full of lively characters. Not just the Skull Bunnies, but there's several other characters and uh, personalities. And just make it a wonderful place uh, that people will just uh, endear themselves to or vice versa. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, like I've been following, you know, Usagi Jane and the Skull Bunnies for a very long time. You know, and I see sometimes that would be a great, uh, a great like video game where she has to go in the forest and like save the bunnies and do something because I know you had one and it was the mecha, the mech bunny, and you had like and the dragon and like all these other things that are going on. It's just such a lively world that you have created. Oh, so those stories are actually the result of the so Skull Bunnies started out as a toy design, and um, you know I was into the kid robot stuff and like. Um, other like um, Asian vinyl figures, which basically um, you have a like a, a bear, say a, like a bear brick, and you have different designs upon them. So when I did Skull Bunnies, I started out, um, you know, trying to uh, design different uh, motifs on top of my Skull Bunny, 
and I just started to like, uh, and then I wanted to tell a story about the motif. So that's how the comics came about. That's how come there's an adventure about um, a mechascope bunny because one of the designs were a mechascope bunny. That, but still, that's really cool. It's like, you know, this this art, you know, changing and forming and becoming different things. I mean, that, that, that's really cool. So so what's next for, uh, I know you have the uh, the Kickstarter going on, and you have, uh, that's current live right now uh, for the rest of the month. Uh, after the Kickstarter, what, what are the plans for, for, for Usagi Jane? Um, more stories moving forward, plus more stories moving backwards, which means uh, possible origin story. Which is a, a little heavier, a little darker, but it uh, it, t it tells you a lot, and uh, uh, um, you know more character interactions from her past and all that stuff, like all the things that she experienced that made her who she is. And you know, it's like you know when you look sometimes when you look back at your past, you may have gone through some rough times when you were growing up, and it kind of defines like, who you are. So that's probably what Usagi Jane might have to go through. Awesome. So, so again, um, you know, go out there, support indie creators, support this creator. You know, he's been living like this life for about ten years right now. You know, trying to get this, trying to get this done. So, so again, tell the fans, uh, it's Kickstarter. Where can they find it at? In Kickstarter. Um, just look up Usagi Jane or the Skull Bunnies, or just yeah, um, my name Ben Cito, and uh, yeah, I hope you. Um, you would support it. And also, if you can't find it, just uh, ping me on Instagram. My Instagram is bencito, one word, B-E-N-S-E-T-O, or look up skullbunnies.com. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Desmond, and I'm back here at Comic-Con still, uh, here on the Sunday, uh, Comic-Con San Diego 2016, and I'm here with T.J. Sterling. And who are you, T.J. Sterling? Hi, so I'm an uh, independent comic book artist. Um, I've been in business for about a year. My company's name is Array Comics. That's R-A-E Comics, um, acronym for Red Arsis Entertainment. We actually have a really cool independent comic book that we premiered here at San Diego 20, uh, Comic-Con 2015, sold out completely of Issue Zero, which is a prequel to the main story, which we actually dropped here at the show last uh, what earlier in the week on Wednesday. Um, came here with about 300 comics and we're down to 15 now so we're moving we're doing really well and we've had lots of great support uh the book itself okamus is about a young african-american male who has a latent superhero ability and as time goes on he's being pursued from uh, by four hunter characters these mechanized warriors from the future who want his power as he gets a little bit closer to them he starts to transform mutate a little bit i could give away the rest of the story and tell you what it's all about um, but then I'd ruin the issue, and you wouldn't be able to actually see the awesomeness of it in its entirety until you see the actual book itself. So who are you in relation to this book? Um, well, I am the visionary creator and storyteller. I'm the artist as well as the uh, co- or I guess you could say the uh, main writer. And then I have a writer by the name of uh, Eugene Argent out of Brooklyn who scripts everything for me in comic book form. Um, but it's a passion project. It's a story that I came up with. 10 years ago in high school that it took me a while to refine, um, plot, and create uh, to where I could bring something to you guys for you to see now. So why did you choose to self-publish? Um, I actually interned and worked at Marvel for about a year, and I did love all the characters that they did, but I always grew up kind of seeing characters that were a little bit, I don't know, the status quo, and I wanted to do something different. And I always thought that the best way to do that is to create my own vision and write my own story and walk my own path. 
Cool. That's awesome. How many issues is this book going to be? Right now, we've got two issues. Again, issue zero is a prequel, which we already sold out of here again at San Diego Comic-Con 2016. We've got issue one out right now. There's going to be another five issues in this particular first arc of the story. And then for the second arc, we're going to have another six issues. So in total, there's going to be 13 or 14 issues with another prequel coming up. And um, it's going to be a really fantastic story filled with lots of action, really, really cool stuff. And it's going to be fun and extremely progressive. So, what? I'm going to let you finish this. So I can just edit that out. So, um, sorry. Um, how can people uh, support you? Like, where where can they come and find you and support uh, this book that you're that you're wanting to do that that you are doing? Yes. Fantastic question. Best way to really support me is to go online on my website. It's raycomics.com. That's R-A-E-Comics.com. Um, it'll redirect you to RedArsisEntertainment.com, which is also uh, the main parent company, my company, E-I, me. Um, you can also support me here at any comic convention that you see me at. I'm always at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm always going to be here. It's my favorite convention. You can see me at New York Comic-Con 2016 in the small press area. You'll be able to see me at the Newark, New Jersey Comic Convention. You can see me at uh, New Jersey Comic Expo. You'll see me at uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan Comic Con. Um, and I will also be at Dragon Con Atlanta. Wow, you're all over the place. That's, that's, that's nice. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And, um, yeah. Thank you. Hey, hey, everybody. And it's Desmond. I'm still here at Comic Con. It's Sunday, though, so I'm sure people are ready to go. But I'm here again uh, with another interview. And I'm standing here with... Ryan Benjamin. Shazon Galloway. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay, my bad. Sean Galloway. <laughs> we, want people, we want to make sure people can find you. Right, right, right. I got you. Shazon sounds kind of spicy, that's why. You know, he's, a, he's like that. I'm too spicy. <laughs> he's hot cakes. The, the, mild, the mild version of Sean Galloway. Hot cakes. Okay. Hot cakes. I remember when it was cheeks, so. Hot cheeks. Hot cheeks. Hot cheeks. Yes, All right. <laughs> All right, I guess. So, so we're at Comic-Con. What do you guys have here? Uh, we have a range of stuff here. R- right now, the most uh, the most recent thing we have is a family zine. Variety zine. Uh, there's a variety zine. We can call that, too. Uh, but it's it's just a, basically a, 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 comp- a compilation of uh, both, bo- both of our IPs and... Oh, um, oh, yeah. So it's a compilation of both of our IPs that uh, you got short stories. So it's basically, you know, in a nutshell, it's a modern take on highlights. Yeah, so you got games, puzzles, but the, the the goal for this is that it's catered to a wider range of audience. So it's for all ages, correct? All ages, yes. correct. And how many issues of it do you have out right now? We have two issues. Uh, it's going to be a quarterly magazine, and then uh, we got new uh, new editions are going to be added for the third edition. And where can we find these uh, these books? And what's the name of it again? Uh, it's called the Table Taffy. Uh, excuse me. It's called the Table Taffy Variety Zine, and uh, right now we've only uh, just launched it at the con. So. After the con, we're going to put it up on our site. So it's going to be the Table Taffy blog spot, I believe. Let me see. Yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram. And uh, we actually have the store link on our profile. So our Instagram is Table Taffy underscore studios. And, and who came up with the idea for uh, Table Taffy? Uh, well, it was, it's a DBA, actually, of my personal... 
Yeah, so it's uh, it's a DBA of my personal um, corporation, and then uh, once once I created that, it was more of uh, getting Ryan involved to, so that we have an umbrella for our independent stuff, and then uh, it's rapidly grew into production studio. So we actually credited it as production studio for uh, work with DC uh, slash Blizzard's comics, uh, Ward of Pandaria. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Pearl of Pandaria uh, for for War of Warcraft, and then uh, also Travian Games is uh, Cheats for Hire, and then a couple of other things, you know. So. So what other things do you have coming down in the pipeline? Because, I mean, if, if this is an original IP, are we going to see, like, games, mobile games, uh, animation? Like, what, what are we going to see popping off of this, oh, you know? Of the pipeline. There's, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of that. We, there's a lot of that we have uh, on the back burner, and we're, we have a lot of blueprints for that right now, but it's all in production, and it's something we're thinking about coming out. It's, it's de we're definitely thinking about coming out with games and, 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 and apps and, uh, you know, just a lot of fun stuff because, you know, it's just another way to... To, to get our stuff uh, connected with uh, with our fan base, you know, more awareness to us, basically. So, so right now, in the meantime, while we're putting out the uh, you know family zine or variety zine, uh, we're also putting out the comics. You know, just keeping people uh, entertained until the other stuff comes to fruition. So, I have a funny question, but how'd you guys meet? Oh, well, I was his brother's uh, roommate. I was couch surfing. Yeah. And then, uh, so started taking life drawing class so I can improve uh, my, my uh, figure drawing. And then met Ryan, and mm -hmm. I started geeking out, and then found out that it was Joel's brother. And uh, <laughs> uh, so, but ever since then, you know, he likes to tease me. He's like, dude, I didn't know you could draw. Like, yeah. my stuff was really bad. Yeah, you know, I, I knew him for two years. Somewhere. Yeah, I, I knew him for like two, two years before, he even, before I even knew he could draw. And so, and after that, I was like, okay, wow, okay, this guy's got some some skills. I'm going to have to sit down and work with him. And then we, we started working together, and then he just kind of took off. He was like, okay, I don't need you anymore, Ryan. I got I got this. And he was gone, I you know. Would, I wouldn't put like that. <laughs> but I use, definitely uh, because of how motivated this guy is and uh, how he stays on top of his game, that really inspired me to keep pushing myself. Um, but for me, um, I just made sure I didn't ask for help, that I felt like if, if – uh, people were ready to to take me serious that the work would come to me and and that's been kind of my career in a sense yeah i, I it's funny i i followed you know, ryan's work for a very long time you know so so it's like whenever i see him i'm like yeah i, I have some original pages for you from you too so you you know uh so so yeah so it's kind of it's, it's funny when you when you meet people that you that you like hold it to high regard and you realize they're, they're regular people and they really want the best for you that's yeah, really yeah. great that, that, that's one thing I, I love to do is I love to work with artists who are like up and comers or who are who are hungry to learn and do stuff. So I, I do it all the time, even online. I like I have people email me their work and then I'll just I'll critique it, you know, and I'll send it right back to them. You know, so I do it all the time just to kind of help them out and push in because I know what it's like to struggle and try to try to get your foot in the door and try to get noticed and stuff like that. So I, I'll, I'll definitely work with people just to give them that, that show them, show them what, where their the weaknesses are and give them that, that, that extra push that, that they need to, to sit down and straighten things that's out and get on with somebody. Yeah, I mean, yeah in yep. a nutshell, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do the same thing. That's how I'm able to develop the production company. You know, you, you bring in them, uh, you know, bring in people that have certain strengths and then you kind of uh, give them guidance to become a stronger artist. And uh, and let them go on their way. So a classic example, DJ. Oh yes, right? DJ. So I worked with DJ Welch, a buddy of mine, for about four years. I brought him in. Uh, yep. He didn't necessarily draw my style, mm -hmm. but he 
there was something there that was uh, that uh, that I knew I could use, yeah. um, you know, his skills, and then he blossomed into uh, something fierce. Now he's yeah. uh, over he at, at uh, like working at Lucas. Yes, now he's at he's at Lucas right right now working yeah. doing stuff. So so it's, it's, cool. it's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. And again, uh, where can people find your work? You know, because I wanted, that's one thing I want to do. You have this new IP you're working on. Right. It looks great. I'm glad that it's all ages. You know, it's for everybody, you know, youngins and, and old people. It's great. Right. Where can we find it? So on Instagram, you can find us under tabletappy underscore studios. And then uh, I have my personal account, at cheeks underscore Galloway. So I update on there quite a bit as well. And then Ryan has his personal. And then my my my, per, my personal all my personal sites you can find it at ryanbenjamin.com. That's a hub site where it connects you with with my Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter, and everything else. So so just go to ryanbenjamin.com. You can find my email, everything, and just contact me through that. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. All right, thank you, Desmond. All right, we're here again with uh, Ryan Benjamin. We're going to talk about something that I didn't realize, but I'm really excited about. You actually work with PlayStation? Yes. I actually work with, with play, PlayStation. Um, the latest game we did is uh, Kill, Kill Strain. I did, uh, I did all the uh, concepts for the characters. Uh, I did a lot of the backgrounds and just a lot of that stuff. So, it, you know, it's one of the things I, I had fun doing. So, so I I saw it when it when it uh, when it came out uh, in the uh, PlayStation Experience that was uh, late last year, in twenty fifteen here in San Francisco, and I saw that game and I played it and I was like, this game is really like it's tight. It's a it's a it's like a tower defense sort of you know sort of sort of game where you fight each other two fa two factions fighting each other and then and then the mutants and everything. How did you come up with with that? Like how did you come up with the look of it? Okay, well I I didn't completely design the the the, the direction of the game, but was, but I did do the the characters and it was it was a lot of head banging for like a good year so and so we actually we had a lot of different uh directions we 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 were once going in one direction we switched to another and we switched to another and so we sw we probably switched about nine or 12 times until we finally figured out the the, the look and feel that, that we're we're looking for and then we just kind of we just kind of went in there and then and then we had a new art director that came in and then he polished it up and so basically, that's what we we have. It, it took us about about two years to develop the entire game, and and, and now it's out. It was just launched on uh, July twelfth. And, and uh, if you, anyone wants to find out more information, you can go to killstream.com. Uh, it's a free game on the PS4, and you just and you can download all the characters and 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 we got a kid is screaming in the background. It's all right. She's, <laughs> she wanted to be on the she wanted to be on the podcast. It's totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to tell you, like, I really, I played the game. It looks good. Uh -huh. um, so how was it like having to go through all those different revisions? I mean, is, is this normal? Or? Uh, yeah, it's normal. Uh, it's because when you're, when you're concepting, you're, it's almost like you're feeling in the dark. So you're, you're, you throw ideas out, you see what sticks, what doesn't stick, um, and, then, and then you test it. And then you try to play, play around, you try to apply it towards a 3D character and see how it works, and then you have... You you go over it. You actually sit down with a, a team of guys, and then where everyone makes a decision. We we like we pick what we like. We pick what we don't like. And then after about like three or four months of doing that, we sit back and we look at everything and say, okay, do, do we like the direction we're going? If we don't like it, we can shift. You know, because this is all behind the scenes, so no one has seen anything yet. So it makes it a lot easier for us to shift, and especially if it's, if it's just the the visuals of it, you know, so it's it's not hard at all. It's not hard at all, and, and it's commonplace. 
How long did it take you to work on everything? You, you said it's a couple of revisions, but how long did the whole process take? Oh, it's ongoing. It doesn't stop. It, it's it's constantly from day one. You're like sit sit at sit at this table and concept, and so 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 that's what I do. I sit there and I just come up with ideas. And we we did we did tons of stuff from you know doing just 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 blocking out just so just so we can get a a, a, a silhouette shape of the character so so we can, you know we can nail down the look and feel and then just figure out okay does this character we want to use or not does it work great if, at, at a two inch character or if you blow it up full screen so it's a little bit of everything and we just kind of play around we figure it out and once you have it we just execute it and then we send it off and then we have like a couple directors that it actually goes to and and if they don't like it yeah they'll sit down they will say hey what is this you know they will I don't want to cuss, but that, that's what they they'll 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 cuss at you. <laughs> Get it right, you know that type of deal. So, so what other games are you working on? That you, can you talk about? Um, the other game. Well, right now it's just Kill Train. Um, the last game I actually worked on was um uh, uh oh, this was what, what game did I last work on? Because it, it, uh, the the team we work on, we actually develop and we we prototype games. So we'll we'll come up with something, test it out, see what what works, what sticks. If it doesn't work, we just clear everything off the table and start all over again. You know, so that's that's what we do. But um, um, the 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 last game I actually worked on was Mod Nation Racers, uh, and that was a, that was the last game I I wouldn't say the last game I worked on, but the last game I worked on that that was launched. So it was Mod Nation Racers. I worked on that, and I did a lot of character stuff it's not typically my style but i know how to make games so i was on the team yeah it all sounds awesome I, i'm just amazed like these multi-talented artists getting out there and just getting paid i, I love to hear it you yeah know? yeah this is the thing this is the thing about this industry it's easy to shift yeah to me start you know i started off as a comic artist and then i went on to to to, to television and then movies and now games and, and and toys you know so i'm like a little bit a little bit of, of everything i jump around i I, I I've been I can do stuff in ZBrush. I can do stuff in Maya. I can do stuff in Lightwave. I can After Effects. I'm I'm a 2D guy. I'm a, I'm in a, a Photoshop, Clip you know Clip Studio. It's, it's a lot of different things I use, and I just jump back and forth. You know, so cool. it's, you need to be multi talented. Yeah, well all. you have to be. That's what that's what you have to. If you want to survive as an artist, you have to be a multi talented. The way how I kind of de- describe it to people is: think of yourself as a superhero. You got a belt, and the each and your belt has all these gadgets on it. You have to have. You can't just walk into into battle with just one gadget. You gotta have like twenty gadgets on you. If you don't, then you're 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 screwed. You know the, the villain's gonna crush you, and the villain is the industry because there's another superhero coming up right behind you, and he's gonna take over. So that's where you have to kind of look at it. And if you don't, you're you're pretty much you know cornering yourself. All right. Well, thank you so much, sir, for taking the time to yes, speak sir. to you about this. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, friend. everyone. So that's it from Comic-Con 2016. want to say thank you again to everyone who took the time to be interviewed. Uh, Rich and I very much appreciate it. And yeah, that'll do it. Thank you so much for the Geek Chat. We'll see you later. Bye. Geek Chat. Geek Chat. Geek Chat. Geek Chat. Geek Chat.